This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. This morning, Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks is with us. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. How are you this morning? Doing great. Good to have you with us this morning. This is a very special program, and we're going to cover some topics that will make a difference in your life. We've just come out of uh, what was a, a pretty rough storm that came through the area. We had some flooding issues, not as badly as we had thought we would have, but uh, we were one of the few areas in the mid-state that had over five inches of rain. I think we had 5.4 or something like that. A little bit more than you, not anywhere like what they had down in Waverly. It was 17 inches down there. Yeah, that was kind of an unprecedented thing that they had in Waverly and just the, the amount of water that they had, just that, that rain just sat over the top of them and and dumped 17, 17 inches of rain in a very, very short time frame. And we had five inches, you know, basically over almost a 36-hour period, which we can sustain that. Uh, and, and I want to give kudos to a lot of our city staff um, because there are places, you know, low-lying places within Murfreesboro. You know, we're, we don't have a whole lot, of, whole lot of hills around here, and so we're kind of in a bowl. And, you know, being flat, it creates drainage issues and problems sometimes. And, you know, we've got a lot of sinkholes in this area and different things like that and being very rocky. It presents some challenges, but I, I would just want to say kudos to our public works um, department as a whole but for the work that they do um, just – every day out working, clearing storm drains and, and doing those kind of things. And when we get a forecast like we got this past week where we knew we were going to be getting a lot of rain, uh, the men and women that work over there in that department were just uh, really doing a great job of getting out there and really hustling and making sure that they got all the storm drains uh, clear that they could possibly get clear. And they, they know the problem areas. And then, you know, in the past several years, we've had areas that we used to have that flooded a lot that have been corrected. Our engineering department and development services and public works all work together to when they identify those areas they really kind of concentrate on those areas making sure that they're putting um, engineering mechanisms in place to where those you know you don't have those floods happen continuously over and over again and I just want to give a big kudos to them because that makes a huge difference for us uh, because you know the less areas that we have that that have that flooding or those water comes over the road and, and, and floods a roadway or something like that it's less worry that we have to have for somebody getting you know into that water either with their car or otherwise uh, and, and some of that water may not look like it's moving very fast and it may not look like it's that deep but it, water doesn't have to be very deep and it doesn't have to look like it's moving fast to have quite a bit of movement to it uh, and can actually sweep cars off the road and doing a lot of those things and um, you know it's it's really that the power of water and, and what you saw in Waverly with the destruction there you know it's kind of amazing to see cars sitting you know almost um, vertical on telephone poles that had been pushed there by the water uh, and you know a, a lot of people that have 
been there i've heard reports that you know everybody has said it looks like a kind of a combination between a tornado a hurricane and a flood hit all at one time and it was just literally flood water um, but it was moving so quickly uh, that it creates those issues and we just uh, you know we strive here to make sure in murfreesboro that that we take care of those problems in advance and and doing a lot of those things behind that and i, I really want to give kudos to those teams and and we really try to be prepared if we have to go into rescue mode in those situations we are very very prepared in that front as well uh, with our swift water and and still water rescue teams now you mentioned about sinkholes and the flooding issues how does a sinkhole fit into that well, a lot of the sinkholes, you know, they, they contain water a lot of times when you have sinkholes or, or other things where we know that there's natural springs underneath or, or sinkholes. And those will take in a lot of water uh, when you start into those flooding areas. But once they get full, once those sinkholes get full, then you can have secondary flooding because they get full and then all of a sudden you an avenue that you had where water was flowing is no longer flowing um, any longer because of all the because of all the water that's still being generated. And so, you know, even after the rain stops at times, you can still, because of the flow of water coming from drainage areas, if you've got a sinkhole that fills up, you can have residual flooding after the fact just because of the amount of water uh, that those things are containing and different things like that. And you just present some challenges um, to the engineers and, and, and those that are developing the drainage systems to make sure that they take those things into account whenever they're doing that. And they've done a great job here in Murfreesboro of, of making sure that they're addressing that. Now, do the people who have sinkholes, do they always know that they have sinkholes or are they sometimes sort of surprised? Well, I think a lot of the sinkholes that are around here that are known, you know, little small caves or sinkholes in areas uh, that are located there. But, you know, the sinkholes can develop over time or, you know, can become sinkholes. The ones that we know about are typically they're, they're there and we, we call them sinkholes, but they're just kind of uh, more or less caves that are in areas that were, where you have openings and, and a lot of water is contained in there and uh, you're not going to be able to build on those areas and different things like that but we have those in in the area uh, that are there we uh, we rarely have a lot of sinkholes develop um, because of the amount of rock that we have that are just opening up in roadways and things like that that you see in other areas where um, you know they don't have the soil tops that we have here I didn't realize this until a while back. We had some folks on from Middle Tennessee State University uh, and, and in the uh, geological area there. And they were telling us that Tennessee has more caves than any other state in the entire United States. Tennessee. And Rutherford County has 125 known caves, many of them here in Rutherford County. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of caves. Um, and, and those things, should, you know, you obviously have to have a lot of training and, and those kind of things to, to be going into those cave areas and exploring those. Um, you know, and I, I would leave that to people or get with people that are trained professionally in that to help train you if you if that's an area that you wanted to go into or, or look into as far as exploration. Uh, but also, you know, when the, we've had the rain that we've had, those present huge issues as well because those caves will fill up with water. Uh, and, and create major issues uh, very, very quickly. Even with a small thunderstorm, you can have a lot of water drain into those cave areas and fill up with water very, very quickly and, and kind of take you by surprise now, for I guess people the, that like to do that exploring. The amount of rain that we get, uh, how much it affects you depends on, I guess, how much of the area around you is paved as opposed to being grass. Uh, because this morning on our news, our world news on CBS this morning at 7, they were talking about the storms that were creating major problems in New York City. 
and it was flooding the subways and flooding the streets, and they've never seen that much rain in such a small period of time. They gave the amount a little over three inches, three inches, and the other day we had five inches and thought we were lucky. Man, but it, everything's paved up there. Yeah, yeah. There, it it does present challenges when you don't have areas for that for that water to run down and drain, and so a lot of you know a little bit of rain can affect areas more urban uh, than it would if you're more rural or have a lot more grass but you know even and that was the good thing about the five inches that we got this week is we had had a little bit of a dry period you know even even though Waverly the weekend before we didn't get very much rain the weekend that Waverly got the 17 inches we got just a little bit of rain here and so we had been dry the almost the entire week before that so it helped us you know to have for the soil to be able to take on more rain and and, and be able to uh, absorb that and it helps that you know we look at that and and you see some of that being designed into buildings that are built around where instead of having full parking lots that are either paved or concrete they'll have the permeable pavers uh, the, the pavers that are down and a lot of times you know we'll get people that'll ask and you say well you got blacktop in this area but where you park your car you're you're sitting on pavers the reason for that is is drainage and the storm drainage and you know our water resources department engineering department public works development services they all do a great job of making sure when when someone is doing a development uh, that that water has some place to go and that it can be absorbed into the into the earth and it's not just you know has pavement and concrete and no place to go and it's just pooling and our kudos going out to mtsu's concrete studies uh, department there they've developed a concrete that is more porous and yep. it enables the water to drain through it so lots of folks are learning from mtsu Hats absolutely off to them. and it's great that people are learning you know from past experiences and those kind of things and and like i said we you know what we really worry about is when we have some of those floodwaters and you know you'll have water moving across a roadway um during those flood times that people think oh, i can make it across this you know in a vehicle or a car or otherwise and and you just don't realize how much flow that water has to it and what it's capable of moving and i actually experienced that myself when you know i started with knoxville fire back in 1990 and i was a i was a driver at the time and we had major uh, floods happening in in the knoxville area and we were sent to another a territory adjacent to ours with some roads that were flooded and we had some people trapped on in those roadways and as we came down a road there was a it was kind of a hilly area there was a church where the water was draining down the driveway because it was you know blacktop and so the water had some place to go so it was kind of draining really really hard across the roadway off of the driveway from the church and you know it's it was maybe two or three inches of water and you know we're in a 20 ton truck and fire truck that's uh you know sets up off the road a little bit and things like that and and you wouldn't think anything about it as far as driving through it normally even potentially in a vehicle but if we would have been in a regular vehicle driving through that it would have swept it off the road because it actually moved that 20 ton fire truck just three inches of water coming off of a driveway with that much flow actually moved the rear end of that fire truck you could feel it kind of move over as we were driving through it luckily uh, we got through it and, and got to the area that we needed to get to but don't take for granted you know moving water coming across the roadway because it can really really uh, surprise you very quickly and it can surprise you the amount of weight uh, that it can move um, water is a very very strong force when it's moving especially and uh, you know it, it can it can create a lot of damage and a, a lot of things and you saw that from the pictures in Waverly with homes moved off their foundations with homes floating down uh, creeks and you know and that's the major thing is there's no major river 
right there in Waverly. It's just a you know a, a pretty good sized creek that flows to a river that's right there in Waverly and that created all of that just by water. Uh, you, you said something that just really turned a light on in my head because I've always thought that if you're driving through water, you're probably okay if it's not up to the car's body, which in my mind would make it float. You're saying three inches and with a fire truck that weighed 20 tons, which is the the water level between the road and the body of the fire truck was probably two or three feet. Yes. Uh, it just took three inches. It yeah. was. It can move it if if the water's flowing and moving uh, across that roadway and trying to find another place to go. It can have enough flow to to where it can really move a vehicle and sweep you off the road and get you in a really bad situation really quickly. So that slogan "Turn around, don't drown" takes on a whole new aspect. Yeah, there. it's it's more than just you know. A lot of people think, well, as long as I keep my my muffler out of the water. And I, you know, as long as my muffler is above that water level, then I can get through it, and it's not going to be a problem. But if that water is moving at all, uh, it can really move your vehicle off into the the same area that that water's flowing, and put you in a really bad situation very quickly. And we have a few slabs still here in the area. Uh, those are definitely dangerous areas, uh, in because they're in areas that it's usually the river on it, uh, yes. which is a big creek some places, but it still flows well. Yeah, it, it does flow very, very well. And, and we try to you know tell everybody to take precautions as well. Uh, we love the recreation activities that Stones River provides for people. Um, but, you know, you've got to be careful in those situations as well. And a lot of people that are um, not, not particularly trained and accustomed to those type of flows think that they can get out there and, and kayak and do other things on the river. And it's just, uh, it will surprise you the amount of flow that that creates uh, just from the Stones River. I mean, there, there are times that we've seen the low head down there at the Searcy Street Trailhead on Medical Center Parkway that you cannot tell that there's a dam there. You can't even tell that, I mean, the water looks like it's a continuous flow of water. That's how high it is and that's how much flow there is to it. And we've had some people that have been surprised by that. We've had to conduct res- rescues by that from either getting in the water and trying to fish near the water when it's flowing that much or getting in the water and trying to kayak or do uh, tubing and doing other things like that that we just uh, we don't recommend that when that flow is that that high now we've already seen it to also over at walter hill yes. I, when if you've ever been over there maybe to picnic on a peaceful day it's so beautiful the dam is tall plenty of water way up high uh, but there have been times that and somebody told me you ought to see water walter hill right now and they said the water you can't see the dam yeah i, I thought they're pulling my leg uh and went over and sure enough yeah. it, it was yeah. solid water yeah it's just solid water you can't see where the dam you know where it would normally break over that dam and, and kind of holding that back and so you know those those situations we just ask people just to stay out of the water until that flow decreases because even people that are in very very good shape that are very well trained and you know, even may be professional kayakers to some degree, uh, cannot handle that type of flow when it, when you're talking about that much water and they can get into trouble very, very quickly. So are there classes that people need to take or is this just uh, a no-no uh, to, to stay away from water like well, that? Well, being in that type of flow, we, we say that it's a no-no. I mean, we just, you know, even if, uh, even if someone's very, very well trained and, and has a lot of experience doing kayaking, 
we would say that those type of flows to where you have that much flow going down the river we just ask you to stay away from it until that flow decreases and and it's more manageable and you, and you can handle those type of environments but for inexperienced kayakers you know that are really just doing it for the first few times that they've ever done it we just you know if there's be very very careful uh, look at avenues to where you can seek training for that uh, seek help from more experienced people that are doing kayaking those kind of things to learn that before you get into those those heavier flows we would prefer you be in the in the river when you're kind of doing a river float learning how to kayak than than when you've got heavy flows doing that and a word to the wise, we're still in a season where we're going to get rainfall, probably some heavy rainfall. So what you've been seeing is going to continue for a good while longer. So keep these things in your mind. Tell you what, let's pause for a moment, check on the traffic and weather. We will be right back. If you have a question or maybe you have a memory you want to share of some high water in your area, give us a call. Mark Folks with the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue is with us this morning. The Dave Ramsey Show, weekdays from 1 to 4. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Broadway County's place to talk. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who's moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. We are here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and our family would love to help your family take care of your pets. If the heat and humidity has you spending lots of time indoors these days, we have all of the things you need to relax at home with a calming aquarium. Here at Animal City, we have both saltwater and freshwater fish and an experienced staff that can help you take great care of either. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Good morning, still moving out here on 24 as you head up through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. Just a lot of radar already out here up and down 24 and 840 as well. Oktoberfest at Obergatlinburg is September 24th through October 31st. Log on to obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck, you're on time traffic. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the north at 5 to 10 miles per hour. For tonight, mostly clear skies, a low near 57. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 64. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. WTNS. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us. And that's our freedom and the right to live in this country. And we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. Writing over 60 letters to veterans in Biloxi, Mississippi during COVID-19. Veterans who could not leave base to go home and see their families during Thanksgiving or Christmas. This is a letter written by Carrie Boylan, who was inspired to become a VA Redcoat. I am still eating leftovers from Thanksgiving. Nurse Callie was kind enough to share her mac and cheese with me, along with some other favorites. Now I know what all the fuss is about. 
Oh my gosh, it's so good. I thank God for stretchy clothes. Hope you all had a marvellous Thanksgiving. I am so grateful for you and all the veterans who sacrificed their families during the holidays especially for my freedom. God bless you all abundantly. It appears that winter is here this week in South Mississippi. Of course, you can never predict 10-day weather here, but it does promise to be chilly for the next week or so. Of course, your heat will be turned up and everyone will be warm and toasty. I know you join me in praying for those less fortunate and you help wherever you can. Below our jokes, courtesy of our friends at the Laugh Factory. Can a kangaroo jump higher than the Empire State Building? Of course, the Empire State Building can't jump. Why couldn't the leopard play hide and seek? Because he was always spotted. Have a great evening. Blessings, Kerry. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. If you want to talk sports, you want to talk local. You want to talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett. It's all sports talk. Weekdays at 5 on WGNS. We're back again talking about your safety, weather, safety, flooding issues. We've already been through some pretty heavy downpours and more to come. Uh, if you're just moving into the area, I guess this is really the beginning of this. If there's going to be a season, a wet season, this is the beginning of it. Mark Folks is with us, the chief of the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Mark, what can people do? Is there anything individuals living here in the community can do to reduce their risk of being a victim of a flood problem? Yeah, the, the big things that we ask people to do are, are making sure that um, you know, you're not putting anything near the storm drains. If you live in an area where you have storm drains on your street, uh, and even if you're quite a distance away from one of the drains, uh, we just ask you that you don't put anything on the road that can clog that can get into those drains or push down to those drains in heavy rains and, and that includes any kind of brush or limbs if you're waiting on the city to come pick that up um, you know put it on the curb up on the curb or, or or something like that kind of keep it off the street to where it won't wash down toward a drain and clog that drain in heavy rains and the biggie is that we've had a lot of issues with over the years is uh, grass clippings and and what the city has now enacted is and grass clippings are required to be bagged um, they can't be loose clippings on the side of the road. And so uh, that helps tremendously to have those in those bags. And, and, you know, I know it's, you know, more difficult than just taking it out to the street and just dumping it and waiting on it to be picked up. But uh, that makes it a tremendous difference as far as keeping those storm drains clear at all times of that debris. And that grass will build up. So if a little bit of grass washes into a storm drain from heavy rains that flow, um, but most of the grass stays there and it gets picked up by the city, you think there's no issue. But when it goes to the bottom of that drain, it'll, it'll kind of get in there and, and accumulate with more debris or other things like that and, and eventually clog the drains down in the drains where you can't see that there's actual clog um, and, and has to be relieved um, by a lot of work going in and getting those resolved uh, from those drainage systems. And so there's a lot of things that homeowners can do with regards to that, keeping your streets clear. But you know, even if you don't, uh, you don't have curb and gutter and, and the streets where you're, you're doing that, you may have a ditch line in your front yard 
uh, with a culvert where your driveway goes. Make sure that that culvert is clear of debris. Uh, you know, kind of look through the culvert to make sure that there's nothing in the culvert that's going to clog up things. If you get a heavy flow of water and something else were to get in there, that it would completely clog that up and cause your, your yard or even possibly your home to flood. Uh, a lot of places have drainage easements, you know, either maybe in their front yard, their side yards, or their backyard. Uh, just at all times, make sure that those are clear, that you're not, you know, throwing things into those. There's no lumber, there's no debris, there's no anything that's getting into those because those can... You know, once water starts flowing, we talked about how much flow can move things. It'll move it down to to a storm wall or a head wall there and get clogged up against that entrance to that head wall and then prevent water from flowing. And that's where that water will start to back up and flood people's yards and do those kind of things. So there's, there's actually a lot that homeowners can do uh, to help with that. And, and living in those areas is just making sure that you uh, keep all those drainage ways clean at all times. Uh, and, and don't dump things into storm drains at all whatsoever, even if it's a small amount of grass clippings or otherwise, uh, because it can legitimately clog up those systems and, and really cause that water to back up very quickly. We have a text here from a listener who says, I know what you mean about the sinkholes. I live in a relatively new subdivision, and I'm worried about the safety of my child any time that it rains. There are several sinkholes, it appears to be, throughout the neighborhood. Looks like they're stationed almost in a predictable area, but they fill up with water. And I'm afraid that my kid is going to fall into them sometime during the stormy season. Why doesn't the city do something about those? Yeah, I'm not, and, and a lot of that just depends on where they're at and, and what they're doing as far as being gated off or otherwise. But, you know, it's a, it's a big thing that we just ask people to stay away from those and keep your children away from them uh, at all times. You know, and, and like we mentioned, you know, a lot of people like to explore caves and sinkholes and things like that. We just don't want people to... Uh, you know, if we have a little bit of rain on a thunderstorm, it, the caves can fill up and those sinkholes can fill up really, really quick with water and just making sure that you're not allowing children to go into those areas at any time because they can already have a lot of water in them. And I know that, I know locations of some of the caves and, you know, some teenagers and, um, you know, young college kids that like to go exploring and doing those kind of things. And it really, really creates issues when that water starts flowing. And even, even if you've had a thunderstorm, uh, a moderate thunderstorm can present a lot of water into those areas and present big issues for that. Now you have a crew that does cave rescues, don't you? Well, we we have crews that do water rescue. We're not we do not have any cave rescue certified personnel within our department. We just don't have that, but we have the capabilities of doing some confined space rescues, which kind of lends into that. Uh, we really don't have any, you know, tremendously huge caves here that would lend itself into doing what we would say certified cave rescuers are doing, but we have confined space rescue, rope rescue, uh, and water rescue, all the capabilities to get people out of the caves that we have around this area. And, and we just became, uh, we just got, uh, we're kind of going through our credentialing process right now through TEMA. We'll be one of the first teams in the state that will be a credentialed Swiftwater uh, type two team uh, here in the city of Murfreesboro through Tennessee Emergency Management Agency and doing those credentialing avenues. So we're very proud of our capabilities when it comes to all the different types of rescue. But, you know, water is probably the biggest one that we've had the most experience with because, you know, we've deployed a couple of times to South Carolina. We've deployed to, uh, to Texas during Hurricane Harvey. Our teams have gotten a lot of experience by going to other places and, and dealing with those situations, which makes us a lot better prepared to provide that service here at home. We have another text here from a listener says, do you have any details of the home destroyed by fire 
on Peachtree Street last month. It was a vacant home, and they were remodeling it, Peachtree Street. I can't recall that right off the top of my head. I'm not saying that it did not or, you know, as far as details go, but I would have to look back at that. I seem to recall that we had an incident there, but I, I don't have any of the details as as far as that that potential fire goes. Okay. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. And we're gradually, <laughs> you're going to hold this against me probably, we're gradually moving into a season where it's going to be a little bit cooler. I mean, it's 70 degrees right now, uh, which is, in my opinion, probably the best temperature. Uh, but uh, we're going to see cooler temperatures. We're going to see days when we wish it was 70 degrees, as opposed to 98 or 105. Uh, as we start seeing cooler weather, uh, there, there are some things that people need to keep in mind. And if you could sort of bring those back to our uh, top of the mind order. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I completely agree with you, Bart. This, the weather that's out there today, I absolutely love the weather that we have today. Um, the 70s, and I would be happy if it stayed in the mid-70s all the time. Um, but, of course, you know, we get 105-degree heat index temperatures here, and, and we get very, very cold here. And so that's, a, that's some of the things. If you don't like the weather in, this, in the, just about anywhere in Tennessee, if you don't like what the weather is today, just wait. It'll, it'll change very quickly. But uh, as we get into the seasons of – you know, we're kind of switching seasons here. We see some things that happen a lot. Um, one thing that we want to mention is, uh, as far as safety goes, we've, we've got some very stringent burn regulations in place as far as, you know, we're getting in kind of the fall season where people are going to be cleaning out a lot of their mulch beds or their flower beds and gardens and doing things like that. And, and the city picks up brush, they pick up leaves, they pick up all that vegetation um, at no charge to the taxpayer they'll come by and pick all that up all you have to do is get it to the curb like we said in bags you know if it's loose leaves or um, small loose leaves or grass clippings those have to be in those bags but you know brush there's the city's website is very exclusive on there and on solid waste about how to to push that out at the street where the city can come pick it up but what we ask people not to do is burn um, those things because uh, and we've been we have with our growth we've become very densely populated and and a lot of people have um, major issues respiratory issues or otherwise that are affected when someone burns something even close to their house um, th that can affect them and that's that's the case even if it's natural vegetation or otherwise you know that can create issues for people that have asthma or have existing lung conditions and especially with the COVID environment and people that have been affected by COVID you know, their lungs haven't, it takes a long time for fully to recover from COVID. And if their lungs have been affected, those present major issues. And so what we ask people to do is not burn anything at all in the city limits. Uh, it, you are permitted to burn, you know, wood in a outdoor fireplace or a, a fire pit that's designed for that or a cooking appliance. But those are the only, th the only things that we're allowed to burn as city residents. Uh, we do allow burn permits through our community risk reduction office, through our fire marshal. Uh, for construction sites or major clearance sites, but those are very heavily regulated. Uh, a permit has to be applied for, and we go out and look at those things. We require the use of pits and blowers to where it, it creates a fire that's not causing a lot of smoke and ash uh, by utilizing those, and, and so those are all required for those type of burns. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, I see them burning at a construction site. Why is it not okay for me to do it at my home? 
and the reason that we're allowed that they're allowed to do that is some of those construction sites is because it's very regulated uh, we're putting that material in pits and it's we're we're doing those blowers to where it's not creating the amount of smoke and soot that's going to bother people in in those areas and we we take that very seriously when it comes to that but um, you know one of the major things that we get complaints in our office for is people burning uh, and it causing people that have underlying health issues major problems just that smoke and, and the ash from that and other things like that so you know it's 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 not permissible to do that any longer in the city and we just kind of ask people to go there but the other thing that you kind of get into going into fall you know for me it's too hot outside in the middle of the summer to even want to grill out and so i don't i don't like going out there and standing at a hot grill when it's already 100 degrees outside but you know we're getting into grilling season as well and so making sure that people take precautions if it's been a little bit since you've used your grill uh, if you're like me and you don't like being out there in the heat and it's been a little bit make sure that you check it um if you've got a gas, natural gas uh, type system or a propane type grill, make sure that you check that, that hose. They can develop little pinholes in them that can start leaking that. And if it gets hot or they get, uh, if it gets too hot or they get near a flame source, then that hose can actually catch on fire and present a fire, you know, just coming from your propane tank or the natural gas source that's there. So we ask you to inspect those regularly. Make sure that your grill's clean. That doesn't have a buildup of grease or gas or other things like that. Um, and just make sure that you're practicing major precautions when it comes to grilling safety, not having children around grill the same way that you wouldn't have them around the stove, uh, those kind of things when you're grilling out. And we're getting into this time of year where that's going to be uh, very, very popular to do uh, is some of the things that we want to make sure there. Um, some of the other things that kind of think about and kind of getting on that list now as, as you get ready for it is looking at your heat sources that you're going to be using this fall. If you use a chimney, well, we ask you to kind of Make sure that it's clean. Uh, there's there's chimney sweeps in our area that will come out and inspect your chimney. If it needs to be swept, they'll come out and do the do the work for you to get it uh, cleaned is that out. True. Also, if you have just a uh, you know faults, uh, the fake logs in your fireplace. And most of the time, natural gas will burn clean enough to where you don't have to have that. Um, but again, it's a natural gas appliance, so we would ask that you inspect. You know the the little the appliance to it making sure that your those have typically metal hoses on those that are connected mm -hmm. to the for natural gas or the propane for those just making sure that you're inspecting those that they don't have any leaks around those uh, doing kind of things like that and uh, making sure that those are safe uh, and doing those but typically the flues with anything that you're where you're not burning logs you know wood or you know natural products you don't have to have inspected as often and you don't have to clean them at hardly at all because they just burn they burn clean and they're not burning they're not leaving any um, residual material in your fireplace now if you are putting that natural the, the uh, fake logs for better term if you're putting them in a fireplace that had been used for actual wood burning logs uh, and you've never cleaned out your chimney should you have the chimney sweeps check that also absolutely you should have it inspected and make sure that you know and a lot of times you can have those those chimney sweeps and some of the people that do the work chimney wise or that put install the gas logs will actually come out inspect your chimney and make sure that it's designed for that type of appliance that you're you're putting in your ah, fireplace okay and so I, I would highly recommend that making sure that it's clean before you ever do that and a word to the wise don't wait until it starts getting cold because their calendar will be full absolutely yeah we want to that's right now is the time of year where it's you know we're, we've experienced a, it feels like fall out there today compared to what it has been feeling and so we want to make sure that we're uh, 
make sure that we're taking those things into account and getting ready for that time of year and not waiting till the last minute and when you have to use those heating appliances because then at times it can be too late to get someone out or you've already started using the appliance before you did that and same thing goes for other heating appliances that you would have in your home even uh, the coals you know a lot of people we get some calls on those those are those are going to build up a little bit of dust over the year um, that you haven't been using your heat once you do that again it's it's normal for you to experience a little bit of burn off of some of that dust that accumulates um, but just making sure that you're keeping your filters clean in a, in a central heat and air system making sure that your heaters if you're grabbing a heater out of the closet you may want to clean that off really really well especially the front area where your your grates are or otherwise make sure that those are clean and just make sure that it's in good working order check the cord to make sure that it does have any frays in it those type of things are, are things that we just ask people to do and kind of look toward that in a in a air of prevention i have a text here from a listener who says talk a little about kitchen fires they said they had one at their home a while back and he said i was cooking something in the kitchen called out of the room to do something and before long i started smelling smoke it doesn't take long to start a kitchen fire yeah and and as always and, and we've talked about it a lot on the show it it, it doesn't take uh, hardly anything for um, a, a kitchen fire or cooking incidents to get out of control very very quickly and uh, and we just ask people uh, you know time and time again we say it again and again if you're if you're cooking something on the stove do not leave the room that you're cooking uh, where you're cooking uh, you know and it's very tempting to go grab something or go get something real quick and just leave that on leave those things on the stove and that's especially true when you're cooking anything that's got grease or you're frying anything or doing anything with skillets or or otherwise you know boiling water you know it's going to take a few minutes for that water to come up and you know that's maybe a tad bit different but we really would just ask you not to leave the room anytime that you're cooking anything but especially when you're cooking anything that is that is actually the food's already in there or especially when you're cooking with grease or any types of oils or anything like that just do not leave that unattended whatsoever um, making sure that you've got the the avenues in place to to either get that off from the heat source very very quickly or use baking soda you can use that if you have a grease fire that develops in in the skillet or just get a cover on it you know make sure that you remove it from the heat source and quickly put a lid on on that skillet or whatever else that you're cooking to try to extinguish the fire that way and making sure that it's not spread anywhere else and and uh you know every just about every kitchen that you have either has a hood vent over it or a microwave with a vent over it which is non-combustible but almost every kitchen that you have also directly right beside of that has wood cabinets um, that are directly adjacent to that that can very quickly catch on fire and, and become a very combustible situation very quickly Here's another text from a listener who said they used to have a person come by and inspect the fire extinguishers each year, but it's been several years since anyone ever showed up. Are businesses still being inspected for fire extinguisher updates? Yes, we uh, we do inspect commercial businesses uh, within the city limits of Murfreesboro, and they will check the fire extinguishers to make sure that those fire extinguishers are up to date in businesses and doing those kind of things. Most um, most places that most businesses either uh, they develop a contract with a company that will come out and <coughs> inspect those fire extinguishers when those fire extinguishers come out of date they can actually recharge those fire extinguishers and make sure that they're in working order and doing all those things and we we highly recommend having those 
Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Murfreesboro Fire Chief Mark Folks is with us this morning. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Join me, America's career coach, Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Please come and see us for all your clothing, gift, pet, and farm needs. We also have whatever you need for your lawn or garden. We have local honey, and we also have the wonderful Watkins products. We have a great selection of different gifts, you know, with fall and Christmas coming up. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us. We're located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the north at 5 to 10 miles per hour. For tonight, mostly clear skies, a low near 57. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 64. Good morning. Still moving out here on 24 as you head up through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. Just a lot of radar already out here up and down 24 and 840 as well. Oktoberfest at Obergatlinburg is September 24th through October 31st. Log on to obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Sometimes you got to wonder, is there anybody in town Truman Jones doesn't know? Truman Jones is on weekday mornings at 9 on WGNS. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks is our guest this morning. And uh, we wanted to ask you about the new fire department headquarters. I know there's been a lot of conversation about that. Uh, when do you think that actually will start uh, coming a little closer? Well, the the capital or the community investment program, which includes all the capital funding um, for you know every item that the city utilizes as far as capital funding from, from roadway improvements to uh, everything uh, that we have uh, equipment wise for public works equipment for the police department equipment for us and fire rescue and just everything that we would need capital wise that's in our community investment plan and uh, the council will be considering that very soon but it looks like we're going to have money in next year's or in this year's community investment program to be able to go ahead and get the design and engineering done and probably start construction um, Hopefully sometime late next year, early 2023, we would be starting on construction there uh, over on Bridge Avenue at the training facility uh, that's there. It'd be our administrative offices as, as well as training classrooms for all the training classes that we conduct as well as some of the classroom needs of the police department if they're doing kind of a dual training where they've got practical-based training going on along with some classroom stuff. Now, I noticed that here at the current location, uh, which is the old city hall, you sometimes have the fire trucks parked there. You have two or three sometimes there. Uh, are those dispatched to fires from the city hall? or And, and what, will they also be at the new fire headquarters? Yeah, well, and they come by city, they come by our administrative offices, which are in the old city hall, you know, right next to city hall. 
they occasionally have to come by there either for training or to pick up supplies or you know to meet with someone there at the office um, quickly they're typically not there very long because we we don't have the classroom space or the space to accommodate them uh, there right now at the training facility they go over there uh, and do training now where they, they do that but anywhere that they're at they're subject to be called uh, to a call and we we use automatic vehicle location devices on our on our apparatus and so anywhere that they're at they're subject to get a call and they will get calls uh, no matter the closest unit will be sent no matter where what the location is and so if you have a an apparatus that's down here and a call comes in that's very close that may be that station instead of our Vine Street, or that may be that company instead of our Vine Street station that would get that call uh, to go on that response. It's literally whoever's closest. Um, they've got that on that capability at all times of being monitored for their location. Um, we've got mobile data terminals in our truck that are, you know that are part of our dispatch system. That you know if they're close to an incident, they're going to get dispatched to the call. So when you build the new headquarters over at the Doug Young Training Center on Bridge Avenue, it will not be a fire station as such. Yeah, it will not be a fire station as such. We've we've you know got stations in the area that will that already cover that area, um, so we don't have the need to put a fire station at that facility. Uh, but it will house our administrative offices and our all of our divisions, including community risk reduction, who does our inspections and and all those kind of things and. It, it will house literally everything, the non-fire stations um, that we have within our divisions and within our administrative offices, as so well as a lot of classroom space. This will need to be a fairly good-sized building. Yeah, we're expecting it to be around 20,000 square feet um, total uh, in area that would do that. And so we would have around 20,000 square feet to work with. And like I said, it's going to be a combination of offices and classrooms. Uh, and, and classrooms for everything from emergency medical technician training to... Um, the fire classes that we would do lecture based and, and some of those things moving in to specialized classes for rescue um, you know our recruit training program we've got 11 recruits that just started here recently they're entering their recruit training program next week uh, we would have them in classroom space there doing their um, the lecture parts and then they would immediately be able to move outside to the drill field and actually do the practical parts right there at the same facility. So will the old uh, the, the old apartments that are left uh, over there now, will they remain so that you can use them for practices? Yeah, the, the five buildings that are there at the training facility now, we utilize those all the time for practical training. Uh, we actually do live burns in a couple of those buildings. The police department uses a couple of those buildings for you know, scenario-based training that they would utilize uh, for those situations. And then we, we have one building that's kind of that fifth building we use as a flex where we can we can have, uh, police department can use it, we can use it. We've, we use that building for a variety of different things. And so it those apartments really present us with the realistic avenue to be able to conduct um, practical training that is a whole lot more realistic than you would see in a lot of places. We're just about out of time this morning. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share with us? Well, the big thing is, and, and I know that he uh, that he actually was the birthday winner this morning, but I do want to say uh, happy birthday to my friend Nate Williams, uh, our director of Parks and Recreation for the city. Nate's a, a super guy, and he's, uh, I want to say happy birthday to him, but I think he ought to forfeit his uh a banana pudding to some of the front some of his friends maybe or at least share it with them uh, maybe a fire yeah. chief or something yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us this morning murfreesboro fire and rescue chief mark folks with us hey have a super day thank you